0: Barry called me up. He said, "Listen, um, I was working in Providence at a place called Periwinkles, which is my home club that I started out at." He said, mm-hmm. "Listen, I'm sending uh, I'm sending Chappelle up, and uh, I want you to go pick him up at the bus station or whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: but be nice to him, i You better picking up well, Dave Chappelle <laughs> at the <laughs> fucking bus station. Okay, go ahead, sir."
1: Jokes on you, motherfucker! We are So, joining me today on uh, Sarcasm Orgasm is uh, a comedian who I remember seeing back before I ever started doing comedy. I think the first time I saw you was, I want to say, 2008, maybe. And I started in wow. 2010. Uh, my guest today, comedian, uh, actor, voice actor, podcaster all the above. Al Ducharme, thank you, uh, brother, for joining me today. I really appreciate it, man.
0: Oh, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yes. Was it back then in 2008 that you first saw me? Was it at the... uh, uh, The River Center. The River Center Comedy Club. (laughs) Okay. Okay. San Antonio. All right.
1: That was it. it. So just to give you a little story, because this one's for some of the the people that will probably be listening to this. We became fans of you or a group of my friends that I think last time i saw you actually physically i think was i featured at river center uh when you were headlining and i think that was the last week i ever did at river center Uh, it it closed not too long after that but uh you were headlining and uh usually they they love you but i saw you permanently yeah it's done they can't evade tax (laughs) they can't use it as a tax shelter anymore no no
0: (laughs) no, they sold to the improvs yes yes or or a,
1: a majority stake i think the bar shops still own part of the club but the they're now improv it's now an improv under the improv but the funny thing is they kept it as lol I think they don't want to brand it improv because they're like we're not gonna give this club that distinction we know we're not gonna but but they still own the majority
0: I I was there when they renamed it the improv uh, briefly and uh, which one are you talking about you talking about well okay
1: you're that's a good question yes so They renamed River Center the Improv. I don't know if you remember on the marquee out front, of the signage. Right. But they never changed it to the, you know, the the Improv background,
0: the no, stage. It was like, it, and it was I River think that's Center a from... critical part of the Improv. <laughs> Am I wrong? Brand branding wise, certainly exactly. because it was the it was the 1989 backdrop, right? Mm. Or maybe 1992 backdrop. There's something uh, iconic about that brick
1: wall with the Improv logo. I don't know. It's something about it that
0: that that's all branding absolutely yeah and i and- yeah I, I i did the i actually did the evening at the improv back in the 90s and that was that, that the improv was behind you on that brick wall that was mm-hmm. it yeah but um interesting enough that they um they didn't switch it all over because i was actually i posted when i was there the last time that i was performing at the improv and all of a sudden people start chiming in what, what improv they got a new one what's going on <laughs> I go, yeah oh, it's the river it's the River Center. It's, but it was it's, just uh, odd to
1: me that they would rebrand it like half-assed like that. And I, I didn't understand, like, to me, that's part of the experience as you go in, you see that, you know, iconic signage with the stage and it makes you feel like you're, you may not be at the actual legit. Well, nobody could be cause it doesn't even exist anymore. The original New York, but you know, LA being what would be considered mm-hmm. the, you know, the home club or whatever the flagship, mm-hmm. but you could be in any major city in America that has, Uh, the chain and you walk in and you might as well be in LA in your mind because you see that stage and you see, and it just didn't work like that with Riverside.
0: And and the Laugh Factory as well in in Los Angeles does that I mean they've branched out and uh, opened up franchises around the country and it's that's the thing it's got to be that uh, dome-like Laugh Factory Yep, and all their their color scheme
1: you gotta, you gotta yep. feel that Jamie Masato okay. Um There's one in Chicago. Is there are there no other is there another one besides that? You know they or, come and
0: go. I, I guess the, uh, the test market, wherever they can get the best uh, lease or <laughs> sometimes they, they work it out where they get the best lease and sometimes they bring in partners. So Jamie's always going to get a check every month from somewhere. Mm -hmm. but they have to follow the guidelines but it's up to them to fill the room you know yeah but uh uh, so it's essentially franchising
1: for them but with the set of rules i I don't know if they're using
0: that uh, that legal franchising i don't have a full understanding of it but i just know that there's partners involved saying hey because you can pay hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just to have a name as long as you agree to okay this is the backdrop and this is how you run the room we'll book the national headliners and you book all the local acts yep. but you've got to maintain it you have to give a good product good staff and yeah. some of them just you know they, it doesn't work out the numbers just don't work out and then they you know they have to limit their exposure and then they try it in a different location you know but what do i know <laughs> it's amazing how as a comedian, once you become a performer you think you have this business head but
1: most don't, I don't. <laughs> Most sure.
0: comedians do not have a business head. Yeah. I'm, I'm not one of them. I, uh, I mean, I'm i not either. I'm, I'm after the fact. I'm the, I, Monday morning quarterback. <laughs>
1: um, it's interesting to me too, how some of those rooms work in certain places that they don't know there's Because I know, not back to the improv, but um, in Miami, I think there was an improv there and it shut down. And you would think in Miami of all cities, that's a pretty major US city. I would think there would be at least a decent comedy scene there that could support a room like the improv. That was surprising. Well,
0: it, it is and it isn't. I mean, you have, so so. it's a very wealthy area when you go to South beach and then you have a lot of tourists coming in from everywhere else. And um, a lot of competition, a lot of competition, even non-comedy venues, you know, it's yeah. there's like a dance club scene as a, you know, it's a, it's a whole different animal down there. And uh, yeah, some places thrive you know it is you can have three yeah. restaurants in a row the one in the center is just killing it and the other one's like you know crickets
1: yeah no and i've like where i grew up in my hometown in san antonio i remember there was a certain spot it's not a comedy club but there was a restaurant space and it was throughout my entire childhood into growing up to be i, I mean over the late 20s before i left uh, san antonio this there was this particular location that I saw over the years 15 different restaurants. Nothing ever it didn't matter what it was, didn't matter what kind of food they were serving. It just that location for some reason just never worked. And it, you, every time yeah. I'd see a new restaurant open, we actually did end up doing uh some some open mics there. I almost got in a fight. This was year like back when I very first started. <laughs> but um it was just the same you? I knew. It was like it's going to it's going <laughs> to yeah, right. It's going to it's going to shut down eventually. And sure enough, I think maybe 6 months if that later. It was done and it was like, yeah, but um i was gonna say though that's why the store is the best to me because you can only go to one place if you want to go to the store there is no other store you know what i mean the comedy store and it's like you can go to an improv in another city you can go to com- I'm, I'm sorry uh yeah i know store. I, I know what you can meant go to a laugh factory in another city and improv but you right, can't right. you can only go to the store as an la comedian what's your favorite room of the big three there
0: well, uh, I mean, I know I'm, you don't want to alienate people, but like <laughs> as far as like
1: the, the experience of each room. It changed.
0: You know, I've been doing this for three. You okay? You all right? Yeah. I'm a maneuver You're good. It's you COVID. Know, I, it's I, 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 I'm three decades in. So at, at different periods of my career, it, it was different rooms, you know, and they're hot and cold. When I first started coming out to Los Angeles for the pilot season, basically, where you come out for two or three months and live with a bunch of comics in one apartment and party every night and maybe book a television commercial and, <laughs> and that's it. Speaking of, uh, I remember you were
1: in a Heine commercial back in the day, weren't you? A I, was, one? Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, just I, thought about it.
0: I used to do a bunch of commercials, but, uh, back then, you know, I was, I was a big improv guy. It was the improv. And, uh, then it was, uh, the laugh factory. And then it was, uh, uh a little bit of the comedy store and then back to the laugh factory. It's just, yeah. that's just the way it is. You know, it, it changes, especially when the uh, there's a regime change at these clubs. You know, different a new booker comes in, and the new booker always wants to put they want to put their stamp on it. So they bring in all their favorites. All of a sudden, you know, all the spots that you were getting we call them spots when you get stage time. Sure. All of mm-hmm. a sudden, dwindle, and you're like, well, what the hell's going on? And then, you know, you were the you were the favorite there for a year and a half, and then all of a sudden you're getting one spot a month you're like what the heck and yeah. then uh then you start working another club and then you, you you start uh getting a lot of stage time there and then there's people that just work every club yeah non-stop they're just always just moving they put their blinders yeah. on They're focused, no ego just just about the material about the jokes yeah, yeah.
1: it speaks for itself and they, you know mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite guys uh working right now and he's really like a rising talent um but he's been kicking ass Raul Sanchez he's like a San Antonio guy but he's headlines around the country now here in Austin where I'm at all, like three times mm-hmm. a year at Cap City I mean but I, w- I was going to ask you though like does that get I mean that's got to get a little bit just taxing after especially someone that's been in the game as long as you have just the, all the politicking that's con- and 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 then you and then you calibrate the right politicking and now you're in there you know and because I've experienced that too I mean, after enough time, because that's just a recycling thing. It just, it's going to happen again in the future, you know, at some point, how do you deal with like that sort of just, here we go, you know, now I got to go back. Well,
0: (laughs) if your ego bruises easily, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the business to be in because it's, it's constant and it is politicking and, and, you know, I'm from the Northeast. So there's a lot of especially early in my career. All right. Oh yeah. Well, right there, pal. And then I'm out of here. And then what, what good is that? You know, Yeah. you got to learn to politic a little bit. And then of course, when you do get something uh, you, you you book something that's pretty high profile, all of a sudden, you know, you start, I say the phone starts ringing, but you start getting texts and emails. Hey, send in your veils. We haven't had you here in a while. You know, it's like I was like, Oh, I've been, I've been begging for spots for <laughs> eight months and now all of a sudden I have a little something going on and now you want to jump on my coattails, <laughs> but that's fine. That's part of it. You got to just go down there and say yes and be grateful for the stage time.
1: You know, I, you know, because I, I there's, would imagine there's like
0: 5,000, there's 5,000 soldiers right behind you ready to take your space. right. It's a saturated market <laughs> <Or your place. laughs> for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I would imagine though, and I, if you've experienced this, I'd love your input. I mean, it's got to feel pretty good, but also you might. I would think it would be easy to want to just give a fuck you to like maybe let's say those people that were doing that where they were you didn't have enough for them to even bat an eye at you. But then all of a sudden you start getting some heat, and now they want to be your friend. And I feel like my tendency, like a, like my reactionary thought at first would be to be a dick to them. But it, it's better to be nice to them, even when you even when they weren't nice to you, which has got to be difficult, I'm sure, if you've experienced that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I made some very foolish mistakes like i said before new england right there i don't need you and all of a sudden two years later that person is working at your home your home club that you established yourself at all of a sudden <laughs> they're running the show you're like
1: <laughs> so, so yes yeah. you have to
0: tread tread lightly and Be i've kind. had people that i've had people that were just not not into me at all and then years later we bumped into one another and we worked together on a project and it was amazing and yeah. that's just you know it's it's a, it's a timing thing and winning over someone's trust and respect and you know i I've, I've, I've worked with people that they had their buddies or or their or their or their friends that they wanted to push and if they saw you as the competition that was it you know they yeah. try to shut the door on you get you out of there but that's all part of it it's all part of the game it's yeah a, you know, it's it's competition and you just got to be not every you can't win every game you know you can't win yeah. every one
1: I love I love speaking in sports analogies about my comedy like oh man <laughs> I went over on that one man definitely over
0: <laughs> Well the, I, I, did, I didn't say bomb that I, went just, yeah. I went over I went over Yeah <laughs> Yeah I'll tell you <laughs> what you're not a real comic until you can say to your to your friends or whoever and say oh dude I fucking ate my own dick last night oh man it was horrible
1: when you Well the best part that, about it is your friends then you're
0: then you're a comic it's the delusional it, yeah. people, like, "Oh man, I killed! I, I destroyed!" And I'm like, uh, we like "We're like, were we in this? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, g- no, no. <laughs> okay.
1: I, you almost feel bad, but to the point where it's like, I'm not even gonna say anything because they're beyond help right now. Like maybe they'll get to a point where they'll have enough self, you know, awareness to understand that they're absolutely not doing well at all. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I've known plenty of those. And
0: then you have your then you have your buddies in the green room who didn't even see your show but as soon as you walk in whether you tanked or killed and they say oh you'll get them next time <laughs> that's that's I mean, the go-to one for me and sometimes and sometimes it will trip them up they'll be like oh, oh I was trying out new material and got to I didn't even watch your set I mean Relax. I
1: I mean call me a sadist but for me
0: if sadist. it's really like
1: one of my <laughs> one of my really good <laughs> buddies, I there's nothing I enjoy more than watching them eat shit. Like that's oh, that's, yeah. that's the best seeing my good friends eat shit because when they come on stage and I'm like, man, fucking really, that was that was really good. And when, and when your
0: buddy is on stage and he he knows he's eating it, but his five pals are in the back of the room laughing because the audience isn't laughing. Exactly. Then he starts playing to you, you know. <laughs> and there's a back and forth. And then the audience is going, hey we're here we paid to get in here
1: <laughs> that's yeah. always fun too yeah yeah no that's it, 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 and then they're like what why the fuck are these maniacs yeah. in the back this isn't even funny
0: <laughs> what's wrong
1: with them well they're comics but, that's why you
0: know, <laughs> so, some of the audience members that are like comedy junkies might may pick up on it and yeah they might join in a little bit so it, it depends
1: yeah i've nothing, had those there's nights, nothing
0: yeah. worse there's nothing worse than just like going up two nights after you just killed with the exact same set two nights prior. And then you go up and do the exact same thing and nothing.
1: <laughs> I mean, shit, you, I'm sure that's happened to you in the same night in the same room, you know, first, second show.
0: Second show. Absolutely. Yeah, It's like totally destroyed. You're, you're out there pushing merch. People are taking photos. Thanks for coming. Get on my mailing list, blah, blah, blah. And then hmm. the next show, it's like, people just, you know, they want to mace you. Yeah. Or you, you don't even come out of the green room. you just like, fuck them. They sucked. It's yeah. That. <laughs> it seems like most comics you. are, are like a
1: first show more than a second show on a weekend booking. Are you are you like that? Are, are you always like generally the first show is the better show of the two? Or yeah, do you,
0: that's yeah, that's pretty common. And, and every now and then it's it's the opposite. You're like, yeah. what? What happened? Yeah. How can that second show? Sometimes you Killed get a real tepid first, first show
1: because maybe on a Friday, especially when they maybe they they still have work shit in their mind and they you know there's still stuff going on there with stimuli and they're coming to the club and they maybe weren't in a mindset yet and you catch Absolutely. that that early Friday crowd. But yeah, Saturday first shows are usually the best of the week in my experience. I don't know. Sometimes that's not the case, but um, there's so
0: many different scenarios of how it all unravels. What's going on yeah. in the world? People's mindset. You know, then you. Then you have a lineup of, you'll have five comedians going on and the weakest, newest guy does the best. (laughs) And all the polished guys are getting nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you have those nights too, but in general, if you have a good batting average and you stay focused. Back to the sports analogies. Yes. I mean you 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 can uh, you can thrive in this business and it's it's a very unusual thing to do for a living and I've been very fortunate and I've been able to eke out a uh, a living doing it and batting average pretty good. Yeah. And then the pandemic and then there's a pandemic and it's a total screeching halt. Yeah. Total screeching halt and then
1: And even with some resumption of normalcy and I there's been I've done like 3 I've been on stage like three times in the last four or five months. And that's it's just insane to me. But one of them, a couple of people have masks on in, in that a little just even if they're in the audience, and you can't see the facial so much of what's communicated through the nonverbal mm-hmm. part of our communication, which is the vast majority of it is going to be here and you can't really see so it makes it that much more difficult to read the room. I feel like I mean, I've had a limited experience so far, but I already was seeing that it was becoming problematic. Or at least it just mm-hmm. it just changes the 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 experience for me. I'm sure for them, and it's not the same. And also with social distancing, you know, the closer in a crowd, if you have a if River Center had 50 people a, and they were I'm spread sorry, out all I'm trying, around, I'm
0: going like, oh, you're good. I'm watching. I'm. I got no. I got to fly. Like it's, it's <laughs> like it's got a it has a saddle on it. I apologize. I but no, you're Absolutely, you're way. right. I, Oh, <laughs> I haven't I, I haven't performed since March live. I I performed wow. online, which I didn't care for. But I love doing. I rather do podcasts, <coughs> uh, even if there's like multiple Zoom comedians, uh, etc. But uh, this doing the stand up in the living room, I'm I, I, I'm not doing those anymore. Um, but I, I my friends are telling me the same thing about performing live. They're doing parking lots. They're doing uh, movie theaters. If there's mm-hmm. a, outdoor drive-ins, if there's yep. any left. And people are in their cars and and they flash the lights when they like you know, a joke. You, a rock
1: concert, you could do it probably like that. Comedy, that's difficult. I mean, because it's just so, like, I mean, the first row of people is probably already like 20 feet away from you at best. You know, it's like, and then it's just all spread. That's what I'm saying. It's like comedy, I think, relies a lot. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. You've correct me if I am, but like just on that, that proximity of people to build mm-hmm. that that wave i guess so to speak
0: yeah unless you're already big and famous and then you know that's built kind of built in but even like jim gaffigan uh, as big as he is now he just did a a drive-in movie theater and he put on social media hey i just did one of these and it was okay it's not like the real thing but i'm thinking about putting a tour together what do you think and then everybody chimed in all his fans chimed in and said you know most of them were like yeah yeah do it so I guess he's putting something together, driving around in a school bus or, or a fancy trailer. Um, I'm
1: assuming you saw 8:46 Chappelle's stuff. I did. S- Spells drop. Yeah, yeah. That was that was another one that was like, just. Um, that it's just 20, interesting, just to see 20, that. Uh, that was what 20, like three 20, or, three 20, or four 20,
0: months ago. Yeah, th- twenty-seven minutes, right? That was,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was like a ha- it was like a feature set length set. I, I think yeah, um, yeah. but yeah um i i wanted to say that uh i i find it interesting um just the timeline of when you started to shift gears here uh i want to talk about your origin story a little bit because you you did tell me about uh your old days back in uh boston mass kid where you were starting out hey we went we went to the 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 ad and we had (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh my oh my god I mean and you uh, started early 90s correct or late 80s? I yes
0: right? I started late 80s cuz I late uh, 80s. yes I, I my first time performing stand up I was actually in high school. Yeah. Just on an open mic and then when I I, I went to college I performed at my college. Mm-hmm. And then I started booking comedians to come to the college. And then some of those comedians invited me to open up for them at other colleges. So it kind of like started feeding I, I, by my uh junior year i was doing stand-up full-time yeah so it was crazy wow. and i was wow. being compensated for it i i thought i was going to be doing it for free and do all of you a sudden, think I
1: if you started now on that same path that that would be possible in this day and age to to be able to do that because that's really fast i feel like to be already starting to get that going like well that. it was
0: it was a comedy boom uh, a second wave someone told me it was a second wave of a comedy boom in the early 90s and i just happened to be at in the right places i guess at the right times because i was able to you know even in the late 80s i was able to to get on this wave so yeah it was and that um, was
1: that had to be a remarkable it, it time to start, i guess yeah. i
0: literally i mean i was i had a, a digital answering machine or texting and all everything, and uh, yeah. I would listen to the offers because there were so many comedy venues. Every bar, every restaurant, yeah. every comedy club—they were just adding shows, doing three shows a night. So I would just listen to the voicemail and pick the gigs. I'd have a map. I'd <laughs> I print out a page. Is that back <laughs> when you
1: recorded your sets in VHS? <laughs>
0: or I had or I had a buy a map. <laughs> yes, it, VHS. I, I certainly bring your big ass V. Hey guys, can you? You mind watching this for me? I'm gonna, I'm gonna set it up on this <laughs> tripod here. Uh, it was funny because our our AV uh, AV at our our, our university had mm-hmm. all the equipment there, so I just hired a couple of guys for like whatever it was, ten bucks, mm-hmm. come down and film me at the comedy club. I'll get you in for free. They were like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Basically, man. I think I, yeah. I think that's what I, I I get. I think I got like twenty five bucks to perform. Yeah. So I just gave it to those guys. You know. I mean,
1: I try, I'm uh, not good about it, but you, you never know when you might get a good tape. You know, I don't know. It's just like, if it's a solid, you know, audio recording setting and, and mm-hmm. all the, you know, the, the pre-required elements to make a good tape are there. You never, I guess really, you just never know when you'll have a good set and you, sh- yeah, it's, it's.
0: I I learned that if you put it all into one night, that can spell disaster. Um, and what I learned was, uh, if you're performing at a club that you like, that you're comfortable at, and uh, if you're doing four or five shows, you wear the same clothes each night and you just film away and then you just pick, oh, that bit went better that night than that night. Yeah, there you go.
1: I had watched a prior documentary. Did I just
0: reveal it? Am I like a magician and I just revealed a trick? (laughs) You know, it's funny you say that
1: Al, because I was just going to say too, about, I was thinking about. I you, you said that to me, I think it was the last time we were hanging out when you were in essay and I was featuring um, and I was just we were talking shop and uh, you did say something that stuck with you. You said I figured out how to trick people. That was something you said. and I, That's something that stuck with me because I was like in that sense of like your for you, it's like the hundredth time thousandth time for them. It's the first. And you have to mm-hmm. give them that feeling that it's your first, even though it's not that can be difficult to keep that emotional charge going oh yeah the
0: emotional charge of the spontaneity of um you know and some people are prolific they write a new entire act every 12 to 18 months god bless them uh, i'm one of these uh signature bit guys where i have my skeleton of my act of some bits that i've been doing forever some of them sometimes i put them on the shelf sometimes mm-hmm. i dust them off and change a few words implement them and you have to make it look like it's fresh you know and uh, so that's uh a if it's not that's fresh if it's not <laughs> fresh <laughs> you
1: can't smell it it's not there fresh. you go there you go <laughs> lo- oh my god i had to say that bit that's what that's uh we won't get into that that bit too much that's a great i don't want to ruin any of your, your jokes no, but yeah that's uh, yeah, that's yeah. a great you cannot, uh, you cannot
0: ruin you can't ruin my act any more than i've already done
1: <laughs> well in like do you get anybody that comes back to see you in a city um, cause I heard Gafkin like the hot pocket thing. is just, that's his now, they just want it. It's they like a, it's like a they hit. They
0: want to hear it. They've heard it a million times. They want to hear And that's, yeah, it's so funny. You should mention that because San Antonio was one of the first rooms that I performed in where people came back to see me, to see the candle bit. And I don't know if you were there that night, but it happened a couple well, of well, times. Maybe. People, usually women would come up with a candle and give me a candle. And say, smell it. And then <laughs> and, and then the fiance or the husband's like, oh, my God. She keeps saying smell it all around the house. Yeah. And she did this to me. We went to the candle store, and she kept sticking it in my face, saying smell it, smell it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I do have, I get a lot of this. Hey, I brought my uh, girlfriend, or I brought my boyfriend to come see the candle bit because I do that to him, mm-hmm. and you didn't do it. We came back no. here specifically to see that. I said, you should have called it out. She yeah. yelled it out. It, Hot pocket, baby, bring
1: it on. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool too, man, how like those those little voices, those little characters you've developed for your act, how that got taken. Like let's say, uh, I think I guess is it, it maybe the little kid, the smell it, I guess the, the smell it's a different character than the little kid one, but the one that is on F is for family because you are uh you do have uh, a character on that show. Uh or you play the I don't I remember An- the name yeah, of the Anthony, character. Is, uh,
0: the character's name is Anthony or Anthony okay. Figlio. And, yeah. uh and that voice Philip's I heard it. That's when yeah.
1: that's when I heard that. I because obviously I'm not seeing you, but I heard that and I go, "That's fucking Al!" Like immediately, oh, it really? just clicked. Yes,
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's right. Because I know you better it. than maybe a lot of people, but uh, uh, Bill Burr's show, uh, *Fist Family* on Netflix, was on for one and a half seasons, uh, for sixteen episodes, and we we were working a, a benefit together, and he said, "Dude, you know I got my show and." you know, we're running out of voices and you're always in the back of my mind, but we wrote a character of a little kid. And I've always said that's that, that act that Al does, that he has that little kid piece in there. He goes, that would fit perfect. He goes, I sent your clip to the showrunner, blah, 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 but send me a bunch of other voice stuff. I said, sure, I got plenty of it. Cause I do a lot of characters and such. Sure. And uh, I sent that off. Uh, they, they brought me in for a table read and I thought it was going to be like 10 people around a table reading mm-hmm. a cartoon. And it was a ballroom in a hotel. And there was like 80, 90 people. And there's all these executives from Netflix and then the animated company and blah, 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 blah. And you know, the cast, the cast is insane. Um, yeah. And then me, and they put me right next to all the producers. And I get to my little character voice and, I start doing it, and the room falls apart, laughing. And after the read, the uh, showrunner comes up to me, Michael Price, and he says, "Welcome to the family!" and gives me a little bit of a hug, yeah. which I don't think we can do anymore nope. during the pandemic. Cootie's nineteen. <laughs> yeah, Cootie's nineteen. Uh, but it was it was amazing. And and uh, Michael Price, he's always said, "We we took that from Al's act." We 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 borrowed that from Al's act. That's Al's act. He's yeah. never said, you know. Oh, we created that character. No, he said that's Al's. We it fit perfect with our script. And then you know, two years later, I'm like, wow, this is this is unbelievable. This is that is yeah, is that cool. is really cool. And
1: it's have it's you seen like- the cast? Have you seen the cast? Yeah. Oh, I know. It's it's it's, it's Laura Rockwell, Dern, Sam Rockwell. Dern. I mean, it's it's um, pretty. Look, there's some heavy hitters
0: on Vince Vaughn, he does voices on it, but he's executive producer, you know, Bill yeah. is co-creator, Bill Burr, and then uh, the list goes on, uh, Will Sasso, I don't yeah. know if you know him, he's been Yep, a big of course, uh, mad
1: TV. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I'm Kenny Stuff Rogers! <laughs> 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 and, and there's always, uh, we have Jonathan Banks from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, he's he's playing. He was, the, he's the dad, he's uh, Bill's he's, dad. He's playing. the Bill's yeah. uh
1: yeah, whatever his character's name. Frank, 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 Frank Murphy actually, right. Frank
0: Murphy was, yeah.
1: And then, that. Uh, it took me a little Which while cause I knew that voice too, that's funny. That's
0: why when yeah, yeah, you watch yeah. cartoons, sometimes, sometimes you're amazing. like,
1: I recognize that, who is that? And you can't think, but with you, Mr. Al Ducharme, right away knew it. That, that's why that was well, the, made for you. That role was made
0: for uh, you. It was made, it was, it was, it was, it was tailor-made, but uh, uh, Bill, young Bill is actually supposed to be Bill Burr when he was 12 years old or 10 years old. Uh, is actually voiced by uh, Haley Reinhardt. She's a, a singer, fabulous mm. singer, and she does the voice for that. do you do this like? And then Bill jukebox. plays the voice of Frank, who would kind of kind of be like a a combination blue collar guy, uh, that's both from uh, Michael Price and Bill's childhood. That guy, and issues, father issues and stuff. Sure. but it's it. I mean, they draw a lot from their own experiences and also of people and characters from their neighborhoods yeah well it takes, who's it's familiar. supposed to be the ni- supposed sure. to be the early 1970s 70s yeah, place, yeah.
1: I, I was gonna say anyone who's familiar with bill's act knows that a lot of that is it, it's definitely drawn from his act because he talks about his dad and his act some and like it, a lot of that character you could see mirroring a lot mm-hmm. of those things so it's like interesting but as a catalyst because of that i let's get i want to get to the um so in, in the, the uh, audience listening. I might not know your background Bill, but you know Bill because you started in Must and that same time frame. Uh, maybe a little earlier, actually, than Bill did.
0: Yeah, um, actually, uh, I was already on the scene with a couple of buddies of mine. Um, we had a little clique. There was like four or five of us. And then uh, uh, Bill came in a couple of years later. Uh, well, that was like Murderer's Row,
1: too, though, because Patrice was around those days, right? Patrice was, was
0: a, a doorman uh, at the Comedy <laughs> Connection in Boston. And he used to come back after they pay him at night and come hang. He just wanted to hang out with the comics. Sure. And he, he uh, Bill lived in um, I think Canton, which is right next to Mattapan on the way home. So Patrice would uh, ask one of us for a ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to give him, cause I was living in Providence at the time. So I would drive South, drop off Patrice and then go home. But Bill lived in Canton. So when he was working there, he'd take Patrice home and they would just sit in the car and just talk about comedy and legends of comedy and life and situations, and they became this like bond, uh, you know, when they're in their twenties. It's so funny because uh, 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 Patrice lived in Mattapan, which was a uh, like an African American community, and I would drop him off like one or two in the morning, and I was this skinny, scared white guy. I'm like, "All right, good night, Patrice. All uh, right, take care." <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get out of there because I was from the Burbs in yeah. a different state. And, you know, I, went, I had an hour drive ahead of me, uh, but uh, I felt fine when he was in the car with me. Because as as he, he, Patrice weighed... Literally, as soon as like, the door shuts, clock, three, click. He, weighed, yeah. he weighed about 350, 340 pounds back then. He later dropped down to around 275 or so when, when he became you know a, a bigger comic. But I was like, all right, take care. And I'm just trying to get to the on-ramp. Yeah. And... Uh, but, you know, whatever. It was a stereotype uh, story, but I'm just sharing my my experience well, with you. Well, and I <laughs> mean,
1: he was a big presence in every sense of the word, you know, fit, like as an, as an actual, you know, man. But also, I mean, just his presence in terms of his comedic ownership. I feel like, because, you know, I've heard, I watched a little mini, great little mini documentary about him on uh, YouTube. It's called Brutal, Hon- Brutally Honest or Brutal Honesty, one of the two. But... um. Mm-hmm. Just talking like about how when he would walk into like the cellar these these would have been later years in new york but like walking into the cellar and like everybody's like oh fuck. patrice is here like we got to get on our like we better step it up like that guy made comics feel like they were you know the inferior which we always want to like we're comics we want to be the guy in the situation right, be, right, right you right. know well not maybe not all the time but you know it's just a, it's just built in i think and so it's interesting because it's like and then a guy like him comes along and he's you're like god damn i'm a little intimidated here (laughs) by this dude he's i I would imagine i don't know i I never knew him
0: and and by that by that time you know he was already you know he was he was pro and he had he was breaking into that uh fame level you know comedy Mm -hmm. central and the roast and doing all that unfortunately you know he he uh he passed but um yeah, I mean, he was always, he just wanted to talk comedy and observation, and he would, he had that particular laugh, very just, uh, recognizable laugh, and he would hmm. laugh in the back of the room if he liked your joke, and it was encouraging, it was like, oh, Patrice.
1: Was I was gonna say, one. he had to be one of the, yeah, if he was laughing, I, I would imagine you felt pretty good about it, like, the a guy like him who was clearly not easy to impress, uh, <laughs> The, 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 yeah. there's the guys you respect so that if they respect you it's it means a little more than if just some general audience hey you're really funny you're like thanks you know but it's just like it doesn't kind of does it doesn't have the same to me anyway that same value of a compliment coming from somebody who is also a comedian and is just that was good and i'm like Fuck, i like i think you're amazing and you think that was good that feels this feels great to hear that from you you know
0: it's always good to have you know some pro guy has been doing it forever that you admire you know if they 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 send you a little compliment it's always good for the ego gives you gives you another reason to head out there the next night and perform you know
1: sure yeah absolutely it's it's certainly like it's interesting too because i would imagine that the feeling that people have when they leave your show is probably more important than anything you actually any of the material you actually put out right i mean like if they really liked you and had a, and it was like, this was fun and maybe they don't even remember what the, the material was with your with your characters, but they remember your characters. You know, they, they mm-hmm. oh, okay, that, uh, the that was so funny. Or the, I love when you do the old guy. <laughs> Just stuff like, that. and it's like, I don't even remember the actual material necessarily. I, some of it I do, but um, it's like, but I they, definitely they, remember yeah. the characters. It makes,
0: it, yeah, it, it makes an impression of uh, you have that visual yeah, you take that away. from. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it, it's, it's always nice to have a social media when someone comments from your act, they, they quote your act too. That's good for the ego, you know, but uh, yeah, man, it's just a, uh, this business is just a weird business, you know, it's like, it's just a weird business but it's our it, that's our heroine too getting the response from an audience you know that's and why you're seeing having, a lot of junkies
1: going through uh, withdrawals right now. yeah oh it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's
0: crazy and i've gone through different periods even that in, in the beginning i'm like you know what the past two or three years i've been on the road six seven months out of the year i'm like i'm cool with this this thing will be over in three weeks a month what happened another yeah. month i mean it's like wow now now i'm like you know beyond cabin fever i'm just i want out i want to i want to perform I, yeah. and i'm doing other things you know i'm doing i have my own podcast called talking dicks and uh, a <laughs> series called the two dicks that i, that I i'm, I'm yeah, working I see, on yeah, but I,
1: did. I saw that actually i remember that yeah my,
0: my partner that i do the we do uh, we played 1950s detectives it's a parody and we it, there we do these shorts and we've been doing it over two years now. He lives in Florida. He lives in Tampa. And uh, usually, I'll stop in Tampa, or we'll, or we'll work somewhere in Boston at some club somewhere, and we'll we'll shoot an episode or two. But now we're not able to do that. We're actually we're actually shooting stuff separately, and we did uh, two of them so far. The first one was horrendous, but the second one hasn't been released yet, and I'm actually doing some finishing touches on it and i kind of like it but it is what it is you know we're in two different we're playing on it's a telephone it's a telephone conversation basically yeah yeah these are all under 5 uh, minutes okay. and, um,
1: you know how attention spans if, if are you go these to days. if you
0: go to uh, the two dicks dot com uh, we're all over social media instagram uh, uh, two dicks 2 it's called two dicks is that and just for the two. listener
1: is that uh the two dicks um like the two number two or two spelled out t-w-o
0: on instagram or at two TWO dicks dicks d-i-c-k-s and the number two that's so on instagram. it's just
1: it's just and at two dicks sorry i want to make sure i, I should know right. these
0: by heart but i have to actually look at them because i can
1: you can send me it, them later i'll make sure i get them right so yeah, i can okay, when i post this yeah. for you um, yeah. Yeah, I mean we uh, the- get
0: we still get a lot of our traffic from uh you know we're on YouTube we we're, were on Funnier Die and it was starting to take off and then Funnier Die was bought out by some foreign company we don't and we've contacted them because our, our episodes disappeared and they're like, "Oh, no, we didn't cancel you. We'll we'll look for them." And then we were uh on Amazon and they turned us down because of our title, The Two Dicks. Uh and then I had to I had to appeal it several times and then he said, okay. I said, we're detectives. They called them like like Dick Tracy. I kept saying like Dick Tracy from the 1940s comics. Right. You know, there's movies from the eighties and nineties and I go, it's detect. So they said, all right, well, right, we'll let you do the name. So they allowed the name, but every, we kept hitting these other hurdles. We're supposed to be on Amazon right now and they claim it's the pandemic and uh, it's under review right now, but. We get a lot of traffic yes for you old people on facebook and uh
1: (laughs) well i imagine there's a it's a double-edged sword when it comes to this day and age of social media like youtube and things because the the ability to get your content out you've never it's never been more accessible you've never had an audience that was more accessible um but the the contrast is that that audience is the the attention spans like that's why i was asking the length of those because It seems like if you put out anything more than five minutes at most, TikTok people people see that thing and they're like, I ain't gonna watch this shit. This is way too long. I ain't gonna TikTok twenty seconds.
0: Exactly (laughs) thirty seconds. Fucking
1: fuck China. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) But it's also to me that that same thing that it's created just the oversaturation of content in Mm. this day and age. So differentiating yourself in that regard too. Now it's like there's so many entertainment options for people. There's so many platforms that can be people can be on reaching people so it's like well, yeah. how do you gauge but, that and what what you find to be the the kind of where you invest the, your time for what you're putting out
0: we're still trying to figure that out uh, once you once you have a following then you decide where you want to go with it sure. joe rogan 100 million <laughs> um <laughs> when you're gonna be on that podcast you little step up from this
1: piece of shit uh, <laughs> do you know joe you know joe right i do, I, do, a, I, I,
0: okay. I actually do know joe and i yep. i uh i wish that i <laughs> i had the opportunity to be on his podcast a few years ago when it wasn't nearly as big as it oh is man but, uh, wow. I, I i i hope to revisit that because now it, he's you know he's exclusive on uh uh, uh spotify a uh, spotify rather
1: oh. yeah He's i mean that one appearance could boost everything you've got going oh it could re- slingshot in, like, you yeah it's crazy Absolutely. i mean yeah and it's it's got to be cool and also interesting to see people that you, like i mean y'all were all back in the day i'm sure just slumming it around at the same shitty open mics and <laughs> you know you were seeing all these guys yeah, out doing it was, the same uh, crappy matter, spots
0: matter, matter of fact uh, what i was telling you the uh when when Bill Burr came along, it was Joe Rogan. It was uh Greg Fitzsimmons, Joe Rogan, uh one or two others that came out of their graduation class. I think they were a couple of years after us. And uh yeah, I mean, we all worked those gigs together. We used to drive up to the ski resorts up in Maine, New Hampshire, and uh we'd go up there, make a couple hundred bucks, and we get lift tickets and ski rentals, and we learned how to ski for free. With rich people it was awesome
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think it sucks too because you probably maybe didn't fully appreciate those times of your life as much as you should like at least i look back and i'm like i so appreciate
0: I- those times i had so much fun doing those things you know uh i'm glad i spent years farming out all that those new england gigs up there
1: well and nobody knows what's gonna happen you know weather
0: and, yeah it was so exciting to oh, say oh i did i did new it. york city all yeah. right I'll pick you up. Years. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to swing by and pick up Rick first and then we'll swing by and get you. But I did one of the, it's so funny, I did one of those, uh, it was a comedian, Rick D'Elia. He's living in uh, Vegas now. Uh, Bill Burr and myself. Um, we were up, going up to work one of those ski resorts and we were also auditioning for a, a local main television commercial. And so we had to go up, audition during the day and then do our gig at night stay over and then drive back the next day and uh i remember I, I auditioned and we were all talking about the audition in the car and the way back and we dropped bill off um, and then bill booked it <laughs> bill booked the commercial and we're like what i was like bill booked it what do you what do you mean the redheaded freckle guy booked it <laughs> but that was yeah. like one of his first first bookings that was yeah pretty cool yeah
1: was it, did did you see we
0: were we were a little jealous because yeah you remember i had two years on in comedy sure and then he's in the backseat of my car i'm driving him because i had i had a control issue uh i was in my honda accord and had front wheel drive and we we're going to snow the snow belt and uh but yeah he booked that commercial that mother
1: boop <laughs> would you say that back in those days like with like him or like patrice did you would, would would you have ever imagined that they would ascend like especially bill obviously he's really i mean i would put him right there at the top of the game at the moment you well, know those, yeah those, i mean did you see that potential legend, in him legend. early on at that time would or were you would
0: i saw focus uh uh i i saw um uh, um, I guess, courage, focus. And he would really hammer a bit out. He would like hammer the material out and until he got it where he wanted. And I thought, this guy is going to do well, you know. But I never thought he'd be in the stratosphere. Not that he wouldn't yeah. have the potential. It's just he, he became, he, he had a business head. I didn't realize he was so business savvy. And yeah. he had he could uh, look beyond he could look down the road so he had you know he had some vision he could see well he's a
1: smart dude he went to brown right i think is that where i think that's like a pretty he went to uh uh, no emerson sorry emerson Emerson, i think is where he went
0: yeah yeah Uh,
1: which is a pretty prestigious i mean you don't just get into emerson i mean you gotta be a pretty intelligent person to even go to that college everything by
0: my standards (laughs) (laughs) well yes you know uh, yeah but he was yeah he was an in-state local boy so yeah no it um yeah, he, he, he reached this level. And I'll tell you what, doing his podcast for, what is it, 12 years now or more? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But consistently. Yep. Monday morning podcast. Boom. Wherever he was on his iPhone, hotel room, consistent, consistent, consistent. Yeah. That became his uh, a very valuable tool mm-hmm. in, in, in material and uh, reaching people. And yeah. getting that gra- grassroots following. And, you know, even Rogan got into his thing early on. But Bill was actually before mm-hmm. Rogan. Yeah, And I dabbled in podcasting a few years back. And then got away from me, went back to it. And now I'm doing it again. Yeah,
1: so same here. It's a, it, it is
0: about consistency. And as yep. you know, because you and I tried to schedule something yep. yesterday. And we right. had to reschedule. And my apologies to you. No, you're It is. Fine. I have a 93 year old neighbor, and it's a pandemic, and her children live on the other side of the country. So we're kind of like taking care of her, kind <laughs> of. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we had to drop. I had to drop everything to to deal with her, and she had deliveries coming in. I bet you she's
1: probably got five to seven years to live at best with this pandemic going on right now.
0: Right, and I think she's sitting on about twelve oh, mil. And if I, <laughs> if I can get a look, if I can get a little bit of that,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you piece of shit!
0: You're stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> stupid! Oh you my like some
0: gosh! Ice cream? Do you <laughs> like some ice cream? <laughs> oh
1: my gosh! Um, but I wanted to say, was to was not, uh, not rat poisoning. That
0: rat poison in the ice cream by the way i did not do that that's good I not s- yet arsenic it. it's a
1: slower kill and yes. it's less detectable that's the way to go it's in
0: the, it's in the gardening shit. that's what she i've heard it. anyway she had it on her property i had
1: it, maybe she confused it with flowers he slipped in the tub and had two butt shots in the back of her head i don't know how these I things happen
0: I, she kept the gun right by the shower must have door been by the i told tub. Her, i said you shouldn't put this <laughs> shotgun but- <laughs> by the shower door because you know it's so thick <laughs> oh my gosh
1: oh the see that's that's the guy. oh if only people could see the the great little pistol you got there uh <laughs> I, I,
0: oh, they can't they can't see this well i <laughs> they can't don't know. see my little
1: your little just don't paint the edge of it uh black first
0: of all that's that's a cap gun and i would yeah. never use that on an elderly person because you know it's loud you know you when you and you get one of these right here yeah, yeah oh, that's you get
1: yeah i mean <laughs> just a little cardiac arrest that's no you know no big deal
0: natural <laughs> causes wow this is good dark <laughs> as they tend
1: to do here uh on my hey, podcast. Tell,
0: tell me now because I, I haven't you and i have communicated uh a little bit here and there on social sure. media. Yeah, usually of at three in the morning when we're both half. I'm the like one
1: of those guys, one of those local guys <laughs> in certain city. You see probably with regularity every time you're in that city. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. No,
0: I know that you you uh, you gave it a shot in New York City. You were living there for a bit, a spell, and then uh, um, it's a difficult city to, to get it going. in, as you know, Don't I know it? But it's a great place to definitely learn a lot about. Sure. Life life and the comedy life as well. Yeah. And now you've taken all this knowledge and you're and you're back in Texas. Yep. And you do realize that you can be, you can live anywhere. You don't have to yeah. be in LA or New York. Uh, speaking of Rogan, I everything. just heard
1: he's moving here to Texas. That's what he says. Yes, he is.
0: Yeah. I'm sure he bought a bought a nice spread. He's I out don't know here, which yeah.
1: city, but I think I heard Austin, but I mean that Austin, I heard Austin seemed too. to make the most sense which is pretty cool because I live in Austin and I'm sure he'll pop up somewhere once things, once He's everybody's still, he vaccinated. Still his, uh,
0: he still has his, he still has his nine one seven number.
1: Yeah. Oh, Mr. I, I think so. Mr. Humble brag over here. <laughs> I'm
0: going to text <laughs> him right now.
1: All right. Tell, Cody, tell him to, tell him to shout to out on, uh, on the Joe Rogan experience for sarcasm, orgasm. Give me a few of uh, his listeners there. Yeah. <laughs> Cody would like to, oh, I'm incognito.
0: Would like to know. Oh man.
1: There, there's a lot of distractions in New York City, too, that make it very easy to lose focus, I think. And that was, I think, what got me more so than anything, was the all the auxiliary shit outside. And it's so easy to get caught up in that because the hang is important. We all, mm-hmm. you know, make sure we should all make sure to, to be actively trying to hang at least some of the time. But then it can turn into you never want to be the last guy at the party. You know, like if you're still there and everybody's gone, it's like, that's where I found myself in New York. I was the last guy
0: at the party. Right, did you ever, uh, uh, I've, I've been the last guy a couple of times uh, in my time. Uh, Do you ever see uh, this comedian called Frank Santorelli, originally from Cleveland, but he really got his comedy where is together Is he together that really angry Boston. guy?
1: Is he that really uh, angry guy that posted something about COVID and he was like screaming uh, and it was hilarious?
0: Uh, I'm not sure if that's who I've, no I've i think that's it, i think that's mike McCarthy i think i don't know i don't know maybe I, I know a couple i know a couple of screaming guys no, frank was um frank was uh he had some development deals he had a sitcom called uh let's be Frank and then um he was on the sopranos he played he played the bartender uh he had a recurring role on the sopranos because I, I what what was his last name again frank Santorelli santarelli uh Italian guy. But uh, uh, from the Midwest, yeah, great guy Frank's a great guy. But he does a bit about being the last guy at the bar when the lights are on. There he is, Frank Santarelli. Frank Santarelli. Okay, go ahead. He he, he does a bit where he's he's the last guy at the bar and everybody's leaving. He's he's hammered, and everybody's leaving. He's going, "Where are you going?" He's trying to hit on chicks when they're leaving. "Where are you going?" "You're not you're not going home, are you?" And he's just like this big drunk guy with a drink and they're just like scurrying away from him but yes he he does the last guy at the bar very well
1: oh well and also one thing i uh people some people don't know this but uh bars in new york city are open till 4 a.m whereas most places some of them are 2 a.m or or earlier so that that especially because texas is too so going from my 20s being in texas the bar life bar scenes were 2am, you know, you can, Mm -hmm. you could close it down and still not feel like a complete and total piece of shit. But 4am by the time you get the train and get home, then that sun's coming up. You're like, I am, I am a piece of shit.
0: Well, you're also going to lose the whole day. That's the thing about it. Yeah. Well, exactly. Again, guilty. I've done it. I'm not a morning person. I have a few of them. I have a few of them under my belt, but uh, having that sun, rise and
1: that'll make you question having, your life decisions a little having,
0: bit having having breakfast at 3 p.m you know it's just, <laughs> i've had a few of those i had a couple of those in san antonio when i performed at the river center hanging out with you guys <laughs> unbelievable they're like i am we got I have no comment from on let's show them a good time." <laughs> <laughs> well
1: as as okay so speaking from the the local guy role I always appreciate headliners like you because some headliners are like, they show up at the club, they do the shows and they go back to the hotel. They're not social. They're not. I I love talking to comedians, especially comedians who are of a higher level that I could like maybe take something from. It's always very, this is why I love things like this because it's so great to talk to you and get your insight. And some of those guys, they just, they don't have any interest in it. And it's, it's nice when guys like you come through town and are like, um, yeah, cool. Like, yeah, you want to go, we got this other spot after the show. Do you want to go do it? And then maybe not go to a spot, but just go hang out or, you know, maybe even go somewhere else. And, uh, I heard a great story about Chappelle. You said, you, I will tell you to you, but if you sound like you want to say something,
0: Oh no, I'm just saying I, that I enjoy, if I'm in the mood, I'm enjoying But I would say half of the comedians are loners. They just like curl up and go into the room. I don't know what they're doing. If they're, you know, maybe, maybe they don't drink, maybe they're recovering. Maybe they just want to focus and do their thing. Maybe they're just uh, socially inept as many of them are. I like to, if I like the people I'm working Animal with, I like, I like, to, really I like to go He's out and have a couple of uh, cold beers at the end of the night, grab a snack, shoot the shit, and then head back. Yeah. Absolutely. But I go mean, ahead. I, tell it's me your gotta, Chicago it's story. It's got to add
1: a little bit of, of just uh, texture to your to your trip, your experience in a- that city.
0: Absolutely. And, and they know the observing. cool spots
1: probably. They're locals, you know, so you, it's, I'm sure they, hey, this is and a really you're cool observing. spot. You're, you're, yeah.
0: you're absorbing life. You're, you're, finding out about people, maybe it becomes a part of material, who knows, you know, you have to experience it, but tell me Absolutely. your Chappelle story.
1: Well, it's, it's not my Chappelle story. Um, I do have a Chappelle story, uh, which was the only time I ever got starstruck in New York city, by the way, it was at the cellar. This is not the story I was gonna tell, but just as a quick little one, uh, I was at the cellar talking to a homie at the bar, uh, or the olive tree, I guess is above the cellar, the, the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and I kind of just like look and I turned and I'm like, I didn't even have to turn my full head. I go, Oh fuck, that's Chappelle. And he's like standing right next to me. And so much of me wanted to say something. And I'm like, I just go, What the fuck am I gonna say to this guy that's gonna give him that's gonna offer anything of validity to his life? And I'm like, I respect him too much to bother him. So I just didn't say anything. But I was like
0: I think it's a wise move. I mean, otherwise, (laughs) yeah, yeah, what do you do? You know, he's approached constantly, and the comedy cellar is a, a safe haven. For yep. a lot of comics, because you can, you can see anybody, sure. anybody in comedy, yep. all different levels, and yep. and if you're a comic, as starstruck as you may be, you want to be you want to play it cool. Otherwise, you could get razzed by your your comedian. Uh, oh, absolutely. As well.
1: Yeah, you yeah. got to act like you've been there before. I feel like that's that was what I learned pretty quick in New York City when I started seeing really big time people on a regular basis. You're like, oh, this is just going to be how it is here. Like, I'm just gonna I just have to get used to this and not make it a thing. And it was very funny when I'd have friends maybe come visit. I was one time with my buddy DJ. We went to the different night, but I went to the uh, olive tree. And I before we go in now, I was like, listen, man, you may see. No, you're going to see somebody famous. It's like it's going to happen. Just be cool about it. Don't don't make a thing of it. This is New York. Nobody cares here. Just chill. Act like you've been there before. We get there. Right? It's pretty cool. About half an hour. Craig Robinson walks in. And sure enough, my buddy DJ is like <laughs> trying to like take I'm like, bro, get over here stop what did I tell you like don't actually like, you're gonna make me fucking look bad dude uh it just happens but uh to get to the Chappelle story I wanted to tell you so this was an, a demonstration to me of like the after and stuff but like he was in Houston and I have some friends on Facebook who are Houston comedians and apparently he had gone to Houston this was maybe less than a year ago uh so he's already he's been the biggest in the game for years uh in my book, but he did a theater show in Houston. And then afterwards he was hanging out with this LA guy named Mo Amir. I don't know if you know who that he is. I uh, I
0: don't know him personally. I know the name, but you
1: know who he is. Okay. Yeah. So he, he was in Houston though. He's from, he lives in LA, I guess now, but he was in Houston with Chappelle. So after the shows Chappelle and him are driving around Houston Chappelle's like, are there any other spots? Like, cool. We could go hit up like joints. And he's like, well, there's this place they do a mic like all Rudyard's or something. And they ended up showing up at this spot. It was like a weekday. Night at like ten o'clock or something, twelve people sparsely crowded around uh, or spread out around this open mic bar, setting about as bad as you could possibly expect for you know a, a typical open mic night for for people like me. But uh, so he walks in and does two hours to to mm-hmm. this open mic crowd of twelve people, and I'm just like, it just occurred to me. I'm like, I can never complain about shit again. I, I can't like. If i'm like having a bad night and the, it's just it's a shitty night room is not good and it's just everything's working against me and it sucks i always think to him and i go this guy is the ceo of all of it coming down to the employee bathroom and cleaning shit out of the toilets that's essentially what i liken it to and to me that's such an inspiring thing because it's it says it's not about money for him it's about i mean he's doing this he's not getting paid for this it's just a passion and love for the game that he has mm-hmm that he would do that. And I think that's just so cool and a demonstration of just how I think just because you become the biggest out there doesn't mean you can't still be someone who just does, you know, just appreciates being on stage no matter what the situation is. I I really respected him for that. A newfound respect, like already respected him, but.
0: How long ago was this? this was
1: not long i mean it was like maybe a year or less it was oh, okay yeah. it was recently so that's why i'm saying it's not like this was like 15 years ago it was yeah. rec- he was i guess 15 years ago he was the biggest comic still in the world <laughs> after chappelle well, show I but mean, no you know, he's,
0: <laughs> um, when uh he was starting out after he came up from dc he came up to new york and we had uh the same manager barry Katz. oh and, industry uh, standard shout out <laughs> <Love that podcast. laughs> he uh he um barry called me up he said listen um, i was working in providence at a place called periwinkles which is my home club that i started out at he said mm-hmm. listen i'm sending the, i'm sending Chappelle up and uh i want you to go pick him up at the bus station or whatever and but be nice to him. And you better pick w- up Dave Chappelle <laughs> at the fucking <laughs> bus
1: station. Okay, go ahead, sir.
0: Well, he was like whatever. He, I, he was nineteen. To, I know because yeah, he was already sure. he was already a prodigy. He was like a prodigy. So he goes, and you better be on your game. This kid is good. <laughs> so oh, I go pick him up at the bus station in mm-hmm. Providence, and I and I and I drive him. You yeah, know, I drive him to the gig, <laughs> and. uh, I mean, do you and still he, ever he was, see him? He was, like, he around? was, he, he was amazing. He he's not the Dave Chappelle of now, but he was like, he was like, wow, this kid is 19 20 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, wow.
1: And name came for him and, really quick. Then when right? I started
0: seeing him in in New York, everybody knew he had, he had it. It was something. Yeah. He was very prolific, profound. Yeah. Years beyond his age, years beyond his age, and we were like, this guy's gonna be huge.
1: Yeah. That's whereas interesting. Bill, because, like back yeah, to Bill, that's I, I said,
0: "Wow, Bill's going to be Bill's going to be good at this," you know. Yeah. And, but Bill is huge. <laughs> you know what I mean? That you know, that point of a, him being a solid comic to being iconic, that that in between thing, I kind of it happened overnight for me. Even though Joe uh, 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 Bill's was like a slow roll, and it, to get to where he is now, whereas Chappelle had that in his early twenties. It well, and that's an inspiring
1: amazing. thing to 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 hear because where I look at it, it's like from somebody who sees somebody like that, your contemporary, that you're one of your contemporaries, it starts like around the time as you, but then like like a Chappelle where you're like, he's just like you said, he's got it. And I and you don't. And like, I've always felt like that with my friend Raul Sanchez, who I mentioned earlier, like just he had it like I knew it. I could see it. He's going to be huge. He's he's on the way up still, but he's he's not anywhere close to where his ceiling is yet um but um it was in in a way a little bit defeating because you're like fuck like i'm like over here i'm like i actually like have to do the work here and like really figure out how to be a good comedian and he's just it's just kind of innate in him he just understands comedy innately right away and it it was it was frustrating a little uh a bit when i was earlier starting out but um it's an inspiring thing when you look at a guy like burr based on what you just said it's like you didn't necessarily see that in burr which is credit to the amount of work and effort that he's put in to become who he is and it's like if you're willing to do that as a comedian no matter like some people have just the talent innately some people have to work hard to get there to be that great comedian Mm -hmm. but you could do it it, one way or the other and and, and
0: i'm not saying chappelle didn't work hard i'm just saying it was was all there and together in his early 20s or as bill had all the components and then he was able to Stretch it out over a couple of decades to get to where yeah. he is, uh, but it just seemed like Chappelle was like already in, starting to do movies, sought after. He did this Chappelle show. It's just like, yeah, and then the cancellation of the show or him walking out and people going, he's crazy. And he 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 no, he wasn't crazy. He just didn't want to do. They were trying to change the the show. Yeah. These guys were coming in and said, the show's already hit. We're already doing something right. Why do mm-hmm. you want to fuck with that? And then he yeah. hated going. He was quoted as saying, I hated going to the studio. I hated it because it yeah. wasn't what it was. Yeah. And he said, adios.
1: Yeah. Well, you got to admire a guy who can stand on his principles like that. that and Patrice I think what I do not again go back to him was a lot of like that I've heard from a lot of stories and videos about him and interviews that he was just the type of guy that you could dangle money in his face for only so long before he's like if, if it's not something I'm truly about I just I'm not gonna do it and it cost him a lot of stuff because he would walk away from things that other people would be just you know jumping they Dave, Dave had
0: a few bucks when he walked away from the big bucks
1: he had a few more than patrice and, ever and, did for sure and i think he
0: did all right i think he's doing all right now with netflix yeah. <laughs> Well, that's only like when he's like i left but, comedy. Well, like, right. he never was, did he was, never left it wasn't it wasn't about the dollar figure it was about the, the the quality of what he was putting out
1: yeah that's that's certainly like something that i feel like um it's Whereas never that would have be been out.
0: whatever you want to do man
1: yeah well on a
0: dress Whatever you want me to do. I'm in (laughs) comedy. Comedy here. You got some comedy. You want to hear jokes?
1: Okay, I got jokes. How much money? What? 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 what, I had to do what? What? All right. You want me to eat that? Okay. Does it have to go all the way in? Okay. All all right. right. (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness man i'm trying to see okay we're at like a little over an hour man uh, dude it's it's great to talk to you man because these are kind of the things that just are fun stories that i feel like um those are memories i'm sure that you cherish and will cherish for the rest of your life you know just getting all right can i
0: say we were talking about branding earlier when we first started out with the the logos the improv and the laugh factory we got to get the Cody branding going on here. I'm looking at you look like you're in a rubber room. <laughs> you're allowed one visitor a month. <laughs> well, listen, I
1: don't have the technical capability to do it myself. And I don't have the money to pay someone else to do it. So
0: no, put a backdrop behind. What do you got?
1: Oh, well, no, I can. I, when I do the uh, Instagram live podcast, I, I do my logo as the backdrop. Um, oh, so I'm not the... good enough for your logo. Well, I mean, we're just,
0: it's what just is the hole I... in your wall? Is that your neighbor you're looking at? Is there, is this that a,
1: this is just like the Be- wall behind you there's there is a picture of oh, New york behind me here it is oh there I'm it is blocking okay. it
0: yeah that looks 3d i thought it was a hole <laughs> into the kitchen i thought there was like a pass through here give me a cold one.
1: Oh man you know i've seen comedians who their branding is on point and then you see what they do and you're like god damn you are terrible like your your branding is the only good thing you do <laughs> the, the two d the two dicks that's great what are you like
0: 1940s or something is that, is that 1950s the time frame? it's uh 1950s. we started in 1953 it's 1955 now because we've been doing it for two years right so you're about students. to meet marty com.
1: mcfly he'll be getting here soon <laughs> wow good what reference. in november no
0: <laughs> marty we gotta get back <laughs> no to the future fifth 1955 <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, yeah right. it's, uh, that's a lot of fun we're having a lot of fun with that right now and uh we're hoping for um, a bigger platform, but we're working on a few things. I don't want to tip my hand. Uh, but, yeah. But uh, we got that. We got the the Talking Dicks podcast, and you can find all this. You're gonna put up my my my. Uh, yeah,
1: I'll uh, my I'll contacts. get you. I'll get your stuff from you. You can uh, send me follow up with okay. me with the links if you can. Just make sure I get them right, and then uh, I'll post that with when I post this. Um, Excellent. And then. I mean, are you... I guess you probably don't have any bookings anywhere at the moment or they're on hold or on pause, I would imagine.
0: This pandemic is the best thing for my comedy career.
1: For me, it really didn't change much. (laughs) 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 About
0: the same Uh, bookings as before. It's so funny because uh, every three or four days, I get a cancellation. (laughs) It used to be the opposite. I would get a booking every three or four days. And that's...
1: (laughs) I mean that's rough and like there's no real protections as a as a contract employee like a, a 1099 uh, was, employee and
0: i was booked out i was booked out uh for 13 months certainly not solid but i had six sure. to eight months solid and then sure. after that it was you know i had some openings and i was you know and then it just gone, gone yeah out, you know so it's like wow I'm wondering, too, uh, if,
1: uh, I mean, once things, I guess a vaccine comes or whatever the hell they're going to be doing, it's like, I wonder how it's still going to play out oh, with comedy Oh, they actually clubs.
0: contacted me. Uh, Dr. Fauci called and he said, do you know anybody who's willing to experiment with it? I said, I do. Are, you, are you being I'm facetious? Or I'm going to a... be on his podcast today. So.
1: Oh, I was like, it could have been a robo call.
0: <laughs> this is Dr. Anthony Fauci. Go get vaccinated. <laughs> Drink your government uh, Kool-Aid. Yeah, so- so they said there's going to be a vaccine one, 1.1 1. 1 and 1.2. 1. I don't know.
1: It's definitely like my theory was 2. football. 0. Football. Because come September, I bet, mark my words, a vaccine might just happen to be starting to come open. And guess what else is uh, in September? Football. And there's a lot of billionaires, 32 in fact, that have a lot of interest in... Uh, football being played on Sundays in the fall, and they're going to be losing quite a bit of money if it's not being played. So I hey, don't know
0: how. How are you with watching uh baseball
1: and basketball so far? I watched the that. Crowd? I caught an NBA game at the bar the other day, and the digital crowd—I I couldn't. Yeah. I could digital. What the?
0: F- no, I, I. I'm okay at home. At home, <laughs> but, I have. I mean, I have a nice big TV and the right sound. Yeah. I was okay. I was like, you know, and I'd go in the kitchen and I'll make a sandwich, and I am not can hear the. So I, it. I was okay with that because I didn't. We didn't have that. Yeah, for months. We had we had to listen to replays of old games. Well,
1: and, and uh, the reason I say football though is because it's the most popular sport oh. in this country by a large margin. I mean, I'm large margin. So you're talking like
0: I love football season. Uh, you know,
1: all and, males do. I feel like even the ones that don't, they want it to be on so they can make fun of the and, people who like and it. The not <laughs> you know, the
0: camps would be starting to televise. Yeah, you know, part and you know, and then the exhibition games, which you know those don't mean anything i want them (laughs) i
1: mean it's you've got a lot of men in this country who hate their lives who probably are you know married and have kids and they just that's the one day of the week in the fall that they have that they get y'all leave me alone this is my day and if they get that taken away from them
0: my wife is the coolest when it comes to football
1: i wanted to talk to you about being married to a comic by the way you just mentioned i had that written
0: down i married dave Chappelle yeah no, uh, <laughs> uh, uh she is the coolest when it comes to football she's like makes herself scarce she says do you want anything uh, she goes i'm gonna do you want me to pick you up uh sometimes i get these little heineken kegs you ever see those uh, she goes why don't you have a few of your buddies is over, that like or, a I'll lifetime
1: from the commercial do you, they just give you free heineken now they do
0: they do <laughs> is no, that I pay really for it. <laughs> okay, i can like get that. it on sale at bevmo <laughs> for 22.99 Listen, I was in the commercial. I'm,
1: it's fine it's free i don't, don't
0: but I, I stick it in the fridge the night before and it's perfect. The little pony kegs. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and people come over like, This is fucking awesome, dude. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll watch the game and she's cool about it. And she'll say, Do you want me to order you something to to eat? And yeah. yeah it's really cool about it. Man, that, so. she's like but it, she's it, a uh, and she's a comedian. A, and she's a comedian. We we fell in love in a hopeless place. We fell in love in New York City at the the comic strip live on the upper east side which is a hard place and, to find love i will we, say we, we were yes we were friends for years uh we were hanging out with the same people mm-hmm. and uh 9-11 came around were you and in new so york on 9 we were in both before. in new york city at 9-11 we were a 9-11 hookup uh uh bernie who lived at bernadette paulie who lived mostly in the east and west villages, we moved to the Upper West Side where I was living. So then we started, started sharing taxi rides home because we were going from the comic strip to the Upper West Side. So we just started hanging out and we'd hang out with some friends. And then a couple of times we hung out solo. And then uh, one time we were at a bar having a couple of beers after our gigs and we're talking. And then uh, I accidentally dropped my tongue and it, and it fell in her mouth.
1: Well, you know that so we, uh, the, the old classic story, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was hanging out with your <laughs> grandmother.
0: So what I, I was, <laughs> so what I did was So what I did was this is and this is going back 20 years ago, 19 what is it? 19 years ago, right?
1: How long you all been married or just together but how long No,
0: we married? we we were 9/11 hookup is when we Wow. So what I'm saying is 19 years ago. Right? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is If you're gonna force someone to have sex, make sure you marry them so that they can't ruin your career 20 years later. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. That is so good. Oh my God, God. God. that is good. That was just so dark. It was comedy. That is so good. That was amazing. That was so dark. and uncalled for but i just can like yeah. there's some currents going on right now and i just uh, uh, like, you know
1: a, i mean bro has there ever been a better time to be a straight white guy in comedy i mean am i right it's such a great good-
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh it's treacherous <laughs> out there it's treacherous uh, man, all right that's i, the, I can't even yeah. comment because it is so controversial because it, it, it's really it, I know, and that's what's sad
1: about it, isn't it? I mean, like you, I, I, I understand why you would want to kind of, you know, on something like that, but it sucks because it's like, that's a, a bit of ma- a. I was making a self-imposed censor. Bad taste.
0: Yes, it's it's a, uh, just behave properly, everybody, because it lives on.
1: Well, behave. or don't get really famous because somebody there's probably a skeleton somewhere in that closet that.
0: <laughs> something happened somewhere. You weren't always a uh, gentleman, <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> Whatever it is, I don't know. Does she know. go on the road with you,
1: though? Um, ever, I, I, I feel like I've seen you post stuff where y'all go on the road together.
0: Yeah, we uh, usually we go back east uh, during Valentine's, and we go for a week or two, and we, do, we perform at different comedy clubs and theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we've been doing these tours. But we also have a... We have a new comedy album release uh, called yeah. loves a joke. And uh, it's a compilation of uh, myself, Bernadette Pauly, our good friends, Tom and Carrie Cotter, Carrie Louise, Tom Cotter. Of America's uh, Vicky, Got Talent. Vick, yes. Vicky Cooperman and Max Cohen are a comedy couple as well. They're also producing the album. And, uh, tell me the name of gonna, it one more time so I can, I can it's called a loves a joke and loves it's basically joke. comedy couples and you can hear us shitting on one another. And uh, it's actually Tom, doing
1: well. Y'all get Tom but and uh, I, Christine? I, I Christina. Certainly. Uh, nope. uh yeah, That at,
0: would be a good uh, one. Tom and Tom and Ke- Carrie Tom Louise. Uh, I'll give you Cotter all the names.
1: Is Carrie so? Tom, I don't. I know Tom Cotter, and his wife is a comedian as well. Right, Carrie, Carrie
0: Louise. Okay. Yeah. So. I was. I,
1: I was just. I meant like another comedy couple. They're both comedians. Is Tom Segura and Christina Pizzitelli? Oh yes. Pizinski. Yeah. Yes. They're another one. Yeah, yes. Um, those are those got to be. I mean, it's got to be a treat. Sometimes you can be on the road with your wife, and it's it makes that road wear and tear maybe a little bit easier to deal with. But also, I'm sure there's probably times where you're like, I'm enjoying getting to do this one solo. You know,
0: well, it's nice to you know, have both. It's, sure. it's funny because we actually travel very well together, and uh, we've traveled throughout Europe. We've performed throughout Europe, Canada. We actually travel well together, um, and with our relationship. We're either apart for two weeks or together twenty four seven. Yeah. So by the end of being together for about twenty four seven, like, we're ready to go our separate ways. Yeah. And then at the mm-hmm. end of two weeks of being apart, we're ready to get together. So it's been a really nice balance, and we've been married for fifteen years.
1: So. Well, that and the balance is the key. I feel like it's all. And she's only key. wanted
0: to kill me like you know once every three weeks.
1: She she actually only pulled the knife out of the drawer one night, and and she just held. Oh it to no, the no, no no no! She come wasn't gonna on, actually come on, slit on. She,
0: it. She. She keeps it right here to, on her belt buckle. It's th- she, <laughs> are <laughs> are, are y'all competitive to, to about dress
1: and quarter me? <laughs> is there any competition <laughs> that goes on? Any healthy little oh, like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kill, and you're gonna have to follow that. I'm a. I, do you headline usually when y'all are on the same bills? We uh,
0: maybe more so than not, but we mix it up and we. I you know I I have to if I'm closing I gotta be on my game because yeah that girl can bring it you know or if
1: you middle you can, you can, can walk it. off stage and be like follow
0: that F- follow fucking you know what you know what you know what <laughs> <Follow> that, motherfucker <laughs> all right so check out uh check out uh yes, yes, yes. family Love we'll get joke, i'll get all
1: that follow. info to post with this cool. and um i'll let you go man i know you're a busy guy but uh i really do appreciate you coming on man it was nice talking with you again and uh hopefully when things get back to wherever cool, normal we'll be you'll get back to texas and we can Maybe do this again sometime in, in real life. We can go grab
0: it and we can go yeah. have a night capper after There our, you go. There egg. you go. Yeah. We can, maybe
1: Chappelle will drop like, in too.
0: We'll see. Maybe. Like they, <laughs> yeah. I got to pick him up. I got to pick him up at the bus station. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> Fucking
1: love you. I'll do Charm, I guess, All right, today Sarcasm sarcasm. Thanks, Thanks, brother. Take care, uh, man.
0: Uh, see ya.